0: Good evening, everybody. Welcome to uh, by the depths of Brentford Stadium. Um, Fifteen minutes ago, Norwich City confirmed that they've sacked Daniel Farka um, after what was a, a win here at Brentford, um, which I'm sure we'll, we'll get into. Just two hours a, a, ago, those players. It was a win, Conor. It was a It was just double checking. Just double checking. It, it, checking it, definitely. Kick, kick the screen. Um, up. Two, just about two hours ago, Daniel Farker was was orchestrating those famous waves. Uh, he's, he's sort of come renowned for in, in the last four years. Um, after he did his, his post-match media with yourself, Paddy, uh, he was relieved of his duties, along with three of his uh, backroom staff, Eddie Reema, Chris Domogela and Christopher John, um, all have left the club. Um, first and foremost, um, let us know your thoughts uh, in, in the comments on wh- wherever you're watching this. But Pad, I'll, I'll throw it over to you. What, what do you make of uh, of this? I suppose the timing is, is maybe the big point in some people's minds.
1: Yeah, well, thanks. If you wasn't any illusion, this is a brutal business, certainly in Premier League level. um, And it sells a lie that, irrespective of the result today, uh, it sells a lie to, you know, anybody who thinks Norwich are just happy to ghost along, collect another tranche of Premier League money and go back off to the the Championship. Far from it. Um, This club is now geared up to, you know, Try and establish themselves in the Premier League. Um, you know the top 26 mantra. That's that's the thing in the past. Now you speak to anybody inside the club, it's a top 17 mantra. And driving that is Stuart Weber, who is uh, you know made it quite clear that that is that is where Norwich need to go. And Daniel was the man who had to drive that forward. And in the view of Stuart and and the board, obviously, um, that is no longer the case. And uh, the timing is obviously a thing that you know immediately stands out. It was literally. As, as we understand it, he wasn't aware of it prior to the game today. He was he was called in to see uh, Stuart um, after the game, after he'd done his media, actually, um, and informed of the decision. So you know that is that is harsh, that is tough to take for him and his coaching staff. Uh, the slight delay in terms of the announcement was, as we understand it, just to allow Daniel to um, and those coaches to let their families know. Obviously, back yeah. in Germany, you know, in a lot of cases, um, you know, give them that courtesy and that decency and uh, decency is one of the words that's come into my mind when we obviously now start to reflect on Daniel as a man and uh, and his impact on the football club, just a class act and uh, on a personal level, it is very sad to see him go, but no room for sentiment. And uh, if Stuart Webber, clearly he felt that it had reached the end of the road with Daniel and that he wasn't going to be able to generate enough, even though we've just seen, you know, Norwich pick up their first Premier League winner of the season. That's what White stings, I think, uh, is is that comes on the back of that, but you know, piecing the 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 puzzle together, they'd obviously made their minds up prior to the game and, um because you certainly don't sack a manager after you've if you're in any doubt, uh, after you've won, won a game of football in the Premier League, having not done so at ten previous attempts. So, you know, the decision was made. Um we'd obviously maybe have to, to ask Stuart Weber why the timing of it is is after this game and not before. Um, but ultimately, the decision's made now. The club have confirmed it. Daniel and his coaching staff, uh, excluding, obviously, goalkeeping coach Ed Wootton, who isn't part of this. But uh, those guys are now, with immediate effect, no longer part of Norwich City. Yeah, in- incredible,
0: really, because of what you said, what we saw on the pitch today, which was a, a Norwich City team um, producer winning performance in the Premier League. I suppose if there is a way to go out for Daniel Farker, he would have preferred it to, to be that, wouldn't he? A, yeah. An away win breaks Norwich's hoodoo in, in the capital. It's, um, it's obviously the, the first win of the season, 2-1 win here today, which will be forgotten now in the context of, of, of all of this news. Um, is there an element in terms of the timing of the international break, it, do yeah. you think, in terms of this? Because Norwich now have two weeks until their next Premier League game to source a replacement, and that's obviously where I can see a lot of the questions are heading. It, it, it will quickly move on to who's next. Yeah. But it, it, just to sort of go on that, that timing point, I, I guess there's no perfect time to sack a manager, really, is there? And you say it's ruthless, but the fact Norwich now have two weeks to appoint his successor, I suppose, gives them a little bit of time to, to get everything in place.
1: Yeah, I mean, one thing we, we know... Irrefutably, when it comes to Schürrle, but uh, you know everything he does is is calculated, and, and um you know he doesn't make any moves, whether it's in this area now and, and dispensing with Daniel's services or Norwich's transfer activity. Everything is is planned out and thought out, and uh, certainly there's no knee jerk I would associate with that man. So, you know, yeah, the first part of the equation uh, is is obviously removing Daniel and his coaching staff, and the second part, as, as a lot of the commenters are already commenting, is what comes next, and I think. There's no coincidence the timing does allow them a two-week window and the expectation as we understand it is that they do want the new person in place before the next game the other side of the international fortnight which is southampton at car road so if that is the case you certainly don't um, wake up tomorrow with a clean sheet of paper in front of you and then start to chop names down on it they they will probably accelerate now people who they would have succession planned, if this eventuality was to come to pass, they could go and target, reasonably go and target. And uh, I would imagine a lot of the homework has been done. Um, And now it all will be about, um, you know, working out who the priority is, who they want to go for as their number one target and then trying to entice them to, to, let's be honest, you know, a club who are a very attractive proposition. They're in the Premier League. Um, It is the best league. It's the most... Visible league, you know. If you're a coach, a top coach, if you're a top player, you want to be in the Premier League. So there, there certainly won't be any shortage of takers. I don't think, even in the situation yeah. they find themselves, which is alleviated somewhat today with at least that first win on the board and, and a bit of hope and belief maybe back in the in the players. And you saw how they celebrate with those seventeen hundred and fifty fans in the in the way end. So make no mistake, this will be a very very attractive proposition. And the uh, sure Weber, I'd imagine his phone will be red hot with um, agents and middlemen middle people, uh, keen to put forward their prospective candidates. But knowing what we know about how this man operates and how, you know, Mm -hmm. once he sets his mind on something, he normally goes out and achieves it in terms of uh, bringing personnel to the club. Um, I think I'll be amazed, in fact, if there isn't uh, the new person in place by Southampton. So um, this is going to move very fast now. And, uh, you know, the starting gun has been sounded officially. But let's be honest, if they decided that Daniel wasn't the man for them, Prior to this game, then the other side of that coin is I'm sure they also have got a good idea who they would want to bring in, uh, and now we can all have some fun and games with talking endlessly about names. It's like the transfer window's reopened. Really
0: <laughs> yeah, it is, and, and I suppose what you what you say there is is quite interesting. The fact that in, in many ways, and Daniel obviously won't have, have realised this at the full time whistle, but he's he's probably made Norwich now a more attractive proposition. First win on the board, closer than they were obviously. Uh, teams around them have, have still got to play tomorrow, but closer than they were now to to getting out of the relegation zone. I don't know how Newcastle are getting on at the moment. Because probably it's, drew, it's, right. I they, they've drawn. The right, okay. They've drawn. So, so I don't know what that does in terms of Norwich City's lead position. Bottom uh, again. Mate. Bottom again. Yeah. OK. So so that will um, probably make them, uh, again, maybe a, a little bit more of an attractive proposition than if they'd have lost here today. But it's, um, it is it is an interesting one. Um before we come sort of get on to what's next, which I know everyone will be eager to get on to, yeah. Daniel Farker. I mean, I mean, let's let's talk about this decision first and foremost, and then we'll speak about Daniel Farker, the man and what he achieved at No City. Yeah. Um, you, you strip it back, and I suppose this is what Stuart Webb will be thinking of, even including today. It's one win in eleven. It's what five points after eleven games. Um, continue at that rate you're not going to stay in the Premier League. Is, is that is that Do you think along the lines of, of Stuart Webber's thinking? I mean, some of his quotes, which you can read on um, he spoke about kind of, well, survival, I guess, the money they've spent in the summer being a, a factor as well. All of those things kind of combined, do you think, has, has made Norwich City reach this decision that actually they they want to go in a different direction with their head coach?
1: Well, I mean, that will be, I mean, we'll get into that in due course, but it'll be really interesting now whether, because what was Daniel, Daniel was his hand-picked first overseas coach but but his first coach at Norwich um, and he fitted the template and we all know what that template was at that point in 2017 it was being able to work and understand the financial constraints they were working under to be able to develop younger players um, and play an attractive brand of football you know the Norwich way or whatever title you want to put on it whatever label you want to put on it but now we move into a new phase and that is by dint of Daniel's efforts uh and his coaching staff and, and that group of players but this is now the demands of, of the job have changed it isn't it isn't possibly the the, the Daniel Farker appointment they needed in the 2017 what they need now is somebody whether that's with Premier League experience or whether that is somebody who could come in and, and and grasp what it's all about in the Premier League but to take it on again to take this is almost now phase two if you like of, of Stuart Weber's time at Norwich it's uh trying to find a, a, a manager who can consolidate and, and and build on what they hope with all the infrastructural work that's gone on and, and the culture and the philosophy and the values, uh, are firm foundations. But all of that will really only be defined by what happens on the pitch and what happens on the pitch for Stuart Webber is a head coach who can keep this team in, in the Premier League. And um, you're right, one win in eleven, and OK, that win has happened a matter of hours ago. So it, it, that's what colours a lot of how people are feeling maybe tonight and, and the harshness of it or the brutality of it. But one win in 11 um, is nowhere near good enough. And, and OK, they've got themselves a little bit closer to those clubs down the bottom. But it's whoever comes in now, it's still a huge task uh, for Norwich to get themselves out of the bottom three and stay out of the bottom three. So um, ultimately, at the risk of repeating ourselves, Daniel, in Stuart's mind, wasn't the man who could who could deliver that. Um, but I, I, I think... I, I think it would be uncharitable to to think they've they've you know they've they've reacted, you know, to, to one result or, you know, one performance, whether it was the Leeds one or the Chelsea one, the embarrassment of that. I think the way Stuart works, as I say, it's very holistic and very considered. And they will have taken soundings. I'm sure Stuart will have spoken to to senior players. You know, this won't just have been the decision that he's reached on his own. He will have taken soundings from inside the club, um, you know, maybe assessed the mood around the place. Um, and it's very hard to stay positive when you are on a two points from ten run, and um, and maybe he just feels now they can they can freshen it up and, and bring in a new coach with some new ideas and just a fresh voice um, for those players to maybe listen to and uh, and take on board. And you know, I'm fascinated to see where Stuart goes with this now, but I wouldn't necessarily think it's going to be a Daniel Farker clone. I think there will be non-negotiables in terms of the new person coming in. Um, that daniel shared but but also it might be now we start to see the beginnings of you know trying to develop in this area of the club as well in terms of the coaching area and uh and and whether that means they go a little bit more experienced a little bit more proven as opposed to what daniel was and by his own admission said it again on Friday you know a coach who had nothing on his cV um when he was asked you know was this the toughest time of his norwich career and he said it was actually that first Season really because he was such an unknown commodity. I'd be very surprised if his successor is quite as unknown. So um, yeah, ultimately, this won't have been a knee-jerk reaction. Um, Stuart will have weighed up the variables and why now? Because maybe they feel now is is the time, as opposed to maybe after the first four games or the Watford defeat or even the the embarrassment factor of the Chelsea defeat. Um, at that point, they maybe still felt there was a belief, and and I think it. You also have to take a step back. And when did Stuart do that round of media interviews? It was just prior to Leeds. Um, was that Daniel's last stand? You know, was that mm. was that all designed to try and, as he as Stuart did, try and galvanise the supporters, get a reaction out of them? Also, subliminally, with his messaging to galvanise Daniel and his players, um, and we all know what happened at Carrow Road last Sunday. They were poor uh, in terms of the performance level and, and obviously the result went against them as well and, and maybe it looks like that was probably the watershed in Stuart's own mind but as to why it's taken till an hour or two after Brentford we'll have to ask him when we get the opportunity but it, it feels that maybe pre-leads was, was his last chance and and he didn't deliver and as we said at the top it's a brutal business and, and Norwich are not under Stuart Webber there to make the numbers up in the Premier League, they are there to try and survive and then in years to come, thrive if they can stay on. Yeah, and and
0: if you look at it like this, again, take today out of it because it seems that the decision, uh, one way or another, was was taken before today. Um, clearly. The performances haven't been good enough. The performance data behind the performances haven't been good enough and the results haven't been good enough. And, and, and when those three don't align, you're going to be in trouble uh, as a head coach, irrespective of what job you're in. And I think many clubs perhaps would have done this uh, a lot sooner than Norwich City have done it. So that's worth bearing in mind as well. I just want to pick up on a point you made there about maybe what comes next and, and who comes next, because I've seen a few people say there about an unknown coming in. Norwich are in a significantly different position oh, yeah. now looking for a head yeah. coach. And they were four years ago when they plucked Daniel Farker out of the the German fourth tier is, uh, as essentially it was um so, so I guess that that is the question where where do they go now which direction are they go going because I think there's there's obviously multiple directions that they could head in now they could obviously go back out and and, and look abroad for for another option they could look domestically uh, I've, I've seen a lot of people mention uh, Chris Wilder's name although it seems that that the ink is drying on his uh on his contract to become Middlesbrough boss um Neil Warnock of course sacked today um Pad, as you said earlier on, these decisions in football rarely happen without the club having a plan of what comes next. We know what Stuart Weber is like. He's always said, I think right at the start of his reign, that uh, theoretically, if Daniel got hit by a bus, he would need to have a, a list of names ready to go. I think that was, has, that, that's clearly what he said. He's metaphorically been hit. It's funny that Absolutely. you mentioned the bus after Daniel yeah. going on about the coach drive on
1: Friday.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Um, he said he would always have a list of names ready to go we know clubs now uh, in the modern era don't just scout players they scout coaches as well so this w- is always an active process norwich city won't be jumping into the unknown here will they 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 will know which direction they want to go in oh, 100%
1: yeah um and now it's it's as you say there will there will have been a succession plan uh, somewhere tucked away in, in the Stuart Webbers lock and key and and that will now and probably already has let's be honest already been uh, pulled out of his desk drawer and um, and there will be I want to say they're, they're quite a way down the line maybe with potential targets but we'd be very naive if we were sat here um within sort of 30 minutes of Daniel Farker's departure and and it's completely what do we do next that that, mm. that just is so alien a concept from everything we've seen as Stuart Weber has operated at that club since 2017 so um he will have targets in place no doubt about it and um as I say, it's just now which elements does he feel? I mean, I, I I struggle to see. I mean, I've seen some of these names here, Steve Bruce and <laughs> Uncle Roy Hodgson. I just I don't that, see that's it. too far removed, I think, from the path that he has put Norwich on uh, in terms of the style of play and and the mid to long term planning. All all of those type of appointments for me, and Paul Lambert. That's got to be a wind up. Sorry, Eric Clacton on the YouTube, but. Uh, but ultimately, I don't think any of those ilk of manager would be anywhere near this because I don't think that chimes with, even if you now want slightly different uh, requirements from what Daniel offered, I still think that would be quite a departure. So um, I don't know if I'm sticking my neck out now. I think, I, you know, we had a bit of a chat on the way down, didn't we? Funnily enough. And, uh, you know, you flagged up, I'll let you mention him, the, the guy at Blackpool. Yeah. Just, just as, a, as a bit of a left field run. but but in yeah. terms of, a guy there who he, he who might tick a few boxes.
0: Yeah, he's uh, he's worked as, as Liverpool's under-23s boss, develops young talent, doing a good job with Blackpool. I think if you're going to look domestically. Um... That's one I, I've seen. A, there you go. Someone else has, has mentioned Neil quickly as well, doing yeah. some good stuff at Blackpool. Um, that's just one plucked out of the air as well. That's not one with, with any substance we, we must have at this stage. I guess a lot of people as well will be talking about Mark Robbins, which is probably where that leads me to. Nobody, nobody I've, here
1: seen, is, I've seen his name mentioned. You can at delete least those once, ones. Nobody's talking about Mark but, Robbins. <laughs> he's, he's done a wonderful job of commentary, Norwich City Connections. I'm sure a lot no, of people he's, will be He's not a Webber man. He wouldn't work too well under this regime, I don't think. Let's move on. Russ Martin, I see you getting mentioned. That's understandable. The ball, I suppose, although they had a bit of a whipping today, didn't they? Ball accounts, yeah, yeah, too early, too early. He's just me, jumped into another job yeah. as well, hasn't too early, we? so, I think. Um, yeah,
0: right, let's um, let's move away from what comes next because that will come in the days ahead. Um, let's talk about Daniel Farker and, and what he's achieved at Norrie City's but two championship titles. I think history will, will judge him as one of the best Norrie City managers in, in history. That's probably for, for other people, maybe, to, to judge, but certainly statistically, in terms of what he did in the championship, most definitely. Um, let, let, let's start with Daniel Farker, the man. I mean, to deal with, as, as we've kind of said, always very charming, always very personable. Um, he had this wonderful knack of whether they were winning games or losing games, always remaining. I'm trying to not speak about him like he's died, essentially, <laughs> but or, it, always trying to kind of all stay we need level-headed. Is, all we need is the was, violins. Yeah, mate, that's does, all yeah. mean, but, but that level-headedness, irrespective of what Noru City were doing, is, is something quite rare in, in, in managers and head coaches who, who can be quite emotional at times.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Now, I mean, in terms of to deal with in our line of work, he was top of the tree and all the Norwich managers I've dealt with, and I'm old enough, sadly, to go back to sort of the Lambert era. So from there on, he's been um, a joy, really. You know, there was never there was never any of the cliched or, or clipped answers about him. Probably to his de- detriment and downfall, he was a bit too too effusive with, with some of his answers on occasion. Uh, some of those monologues. Uh, Tempt to sit through those. I remember the Kieran Knightley one. That's, we'll probably have to, do a, we'll have to do a story in the days ahead of his best Farkerisms. But uh, yeah, no, win or lose or draw, he was he was always a very measured, balanced individual. And you know, it is it is tough. It, it, I think most Norwich fans, even if you were in the camp that you felt he's just doesn't cut it at Premier League level now, and it's been proven both the start of this season and obviously the the, the two seasons ago. Even those people, I think tonight will be very sad that they've lost, um, you know, a very decent, honourable man who, you know, had opportunities, it's worth pointing out, uh, in this 2017 onwards phase, off the back of mainly those championship wins, he had opportunities to go and uh, he felt a connection to this place. And, you know, when he said after his hometown, this this felt like his home and, and his his blood was yellow and, and um, I have no doubt that he was sincere and that he meant that and whatever he now goes on to do, um, I'm sure everybody would wish him the very best. And, and I don't think he'll struggle to get a job on on the balance of, you know, what his, his CV looks like now. I'd be amazed if he doesn't get a very good job, in fact, and uh, wish him nothing but the best. But, you know, cycles come and cycles go, don't they? And, and sadly, this one has ended now. And, uh, but on a, yeah, on a personal level, um, well, we can get into his achievements, mainly, obviously, in those two championship title winning seasons, the brand, of football, the the, the, the development of those young players, and what a joy they were to watch, and, um, you know, certainly that first unexpected championship title win, um, and, you know, my mind's going back to the, sort of, celebrations, uh, the open top bus, you know, 50 odd thousand, lying in the streets, and of course, we were denied all that, sadly, through what we've lived through, and are living through, um, last summer, um when they won win that title again largely against the backdrop of entity stadium, and, and how sad that was that you know, I remember him saying that that they didn't have the party to mark that achievement. But hopefully if they stay up this season they could have the party to end all parties. Well sadly that isn't going to be the case with Daniel Farker. But um yeah, I've no doubt when the dust settles, um you know, you, you saw you, you. You can see the warmth in, in the quotes attributed to Stuart Webber, and they will be genuine as well. I mean, this will be a very tough personal decision for him because those two have been, let's be honest, joined at the hip. Um, and a lot of Norwich's success on and off the park was sparked by their chemistry and that relationship. And it will be a very sad uh, occasion. I'm sure it would have been a very sad occasion for Stuart to have to call him in after the game tonight um, here at Brentford Stadium, where we still are. Um, and, and inform him of that news and, um, you know, but that's ultimately he's paid to make those decisions and nobody could dispute that he's made a very ruthless call tonight, a very pragmatic call um, and sentiment, to repeat what I said earlier, will not get in the way of uh, him trying to establish Norwich in, in the Premier League. And uh, But, yeah, there's no doubt, I think, when the dust settles and Daniel is at a suitable juncture, whether it's, you know, seasons into the future, but whenever he does come back to car road, he's guaranteed a tremendous reaction. And, and I'm sure the tone of the reaction from a lot of fans tonight across social media will be that, that what a gentleman. And, um, and Norwich, in many respects, are poorer for him not being at the helm tonight. But, you know, ultimately you want to shoot back with one win in 11, then you can't deny that. And if uh, they'd have maintained that, Productivity, then it's only heading one way, and that's back to the championship. And that is certainly not a place Stuart Webber wants to take this football club.
0: Absolutely, and crucial games ahead as well after the international break, particularly the the, the two double headers or the double rather at home of of Southampton and Wolves, and then a trip to Newcastle. So the next three games, massive for who, whoever comes in. They're going to um, certainly want to make an instant response, aren't they? Because those three games, if if Norwich City get positive results in. In all of them, which obviously we certainly hope is the case, then the, the outlook of the season could look um, a lot different, and we could all be talking about this decision with a lot, uh, a, a lot more well, from a, from a different um, lens, I suppose. But uh, I guess the point is, had this have come last week or the week before, when when they got hammered by Chelsea wouldn't have been that surprising, no. would it? Uh, but I, I suppose that's the point. Um, just to, to talk about Daniel Farker's achievements then. Um, you said earlier on in the broadcast, he, he said he arrived at Norwich with not much on his CV. He certainly leaves with a lot on his CV. Two championship titles, a record for developing players that Norwich have subsequently sold on for a lot of money. Um, the James Madison money pivotal in, in, in preventing this club from um, really struggling financially. Ben Godfrey, Jamal Lewis, um, Emi Buendia, we, could, we can name countless others. Um, and then, of course, as you mentioned earlier, the, the brand of football. In, in terms of the job he was appointed to do, he's he's done that and then some, hasn't
1: he? Oh, I mean, you cannot... For a guy who walked through the door as a, a complete unknown in this country. Um, the list of what you've reeled off there is phenomenal. I mean, it's beyond, I'd imagine, the wildest expectations of most Norwich fans when he first came through the door. I mean, as I say, that first title-winning success was so unexpected and so joyous because of that and the brand of football as well you know the style that they romped to that title um you know that blackburn game when they clinched promotion uh, you know and then aston villa as well when they won the title special times and and anybody who's lived through that as an norwich fan i'm sure will when the dust settles um reflect on on, you know a period unlike any other really in, in the history certainly in the modern history of the football club i don't think there's any Norwich fan who's been on quite such a a thrilling ride. Maybe the only thing that comes close is that Lambert team who went League One, Championship, Premier League. But, you know, they didn't, worth reiterating, they didn't win the Championship title and and he delivered two of them. And I think he's, correct me if I'm wrong, I think he's the only manager in the history of the football club to have won two titles at that level. Um, So his achievements will stand, uh, for me, alongside any of the the best achievements, if you apply the relevant context. And that context is, as you said, you know, Inherit in a club. And and to be fair, I'm just going to repeat what he said on Friday when, again, I asked him, is this your toughest time? And he said, no. He said, I came in 2017. And off the top of my head, I'm paraphrasing. It was a club that were in a massively dangerous position financially. Really, really. And you referenced it there. The James Madison sale got them out of the cart. an aging, that, squ- that an aging was, squad. That was because of Daniel Farker, wasn't it? Yeah, Because absolutely. James Madison before that season wasn't really getting. It no, clear. no. Like Alex, it was, Alex Neil yeah, had him out at, yeah. at Aberdeen. You know, he saw the potential, but also he backed him uh, to to come in and influence games. You know, he was brave. He gave young players Max Aarons in oh. you come, Max Aarons in you come. On he was excellent today. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, his legacy um, in terms of developing young players is there. Is there been anything? Certainly, not, nothing comparable for me. In norwich but probably football in general in in the modern game but but that was it you know talking about players he said he inherited an old squad it, legends who'd passed their best he had to move those on a very delicate balancing act um and he was also trying to with his possession brand of football uh, try and compete in the championship which certainly in 2017 was was very much still tilted towards you know physicality and, and competitiveness um and all of that with the expectation still because he was coming to a club who had been in the Premier League, that fan base, we all know, that fan base still demanded that you were competing at the right end of the championship. And, of course, that first season was a very bumpy one, finishing below Ipswich. Um, mid-table, mediocrity, and yep, then Madison gets sold. Um, and that stabilised it off the park. And uh, and then the second season, you know, we all know know what happened. But, yeah, in terms of his legacy, I mean, he um, can go with his head held high for me. Yeah, OK, the, there'll always be those question marks about what happened, what didn't happen in the Premier League era, but Let's be honest, you know, the first time round, Stewart himself was openly or candid enough to admit they, they didn't back him in the window. You know, the, the level of player they brought in was nowhere near good enough to supplement that squad to have a go. So for me, I, I you know, whenever I, in recent times, these stats, that these accumulative stats about he's, he's the worst Premier League manager, he's got this win percentage, um, you know, he's completely uh, clueless at this level. I also thought that was incredibly harsh because that first Premier League season, and that's even yeah. before we get to the point where we got to the march of that season. And, of course, our world got turned upside down. And, and you know, the rest of that season was a shell. You know, you, you, can you imagine some of those project restart games? If you'd had a full Carrow Road house in, those results wouldn't have been, as they panned out, you know, getting whacked by West Ham and Everton winning and Southampton and, you know, Burnley even turned up, didn't they, at Carrow Road and won. The course of history could have been very different you know if if those games have been watched with full hours, of passionate atmospheres at Cairo. but ultimately you know people may want to reflect and say well that will always be a bit of a stain on his legacy but you know ultimately what he inherited to what he's left now as he left norwich in a better state Unquestionably, so um, for that he should always be remembered. I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and and, and you mentioned the success in the, in the championship, unparalleled I'm, I'm really to, to what this um to what this uh, club has, has seen before, and, and and certainly for for him, um, he's he's in a much stronger position now to uh, whichever way he goes, whether he goes back to germany and and you would imagine we'll, we'll now be in a very good position to to get a very decent job over there I'd be surprised if he didn't end up back in the bundesliga to be honest Can you make,
1: I'll um, just throw I'll just throw, I'll throw in a nightmare scenario that he stays in england and uh, he ends up bringing a team to the car Road. we I, I don't think we could see that would he do that, though, would he? would he? If his heart is that yellow, would he Would he? Well, I, accept... I, I guess we're going to see how yellow his heart yeah, is. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> um,
0: so yeah. Some, some, some nice comments coming through on on Daniel Farker. It's an interesting point you made about the Premier League season two years ago, because I think it's fair to say probably a, uh, for as much as we talk about the club maybe standing by him, he's, he said before he had opportunities to go elsewhere at different points during this journey. Um, it says a lot about him that he... Stayed after that campaign in the manner that it, that it all unfolded. The fact, as, as you mentioned, they probably wasn't backed in the in the way
1: that he would have wanted to be. He, he understood the the wider the project and I
0: suppose his role within that as well. Yeah, exactly.
1: And how many coaches who are clearly know that you know they're in vulnerable positions at the best of times when when the wind is at their backs rather than in their faces, and and it is such a results driven business. Um, how many coaches would have? Yeah, I'm sure. When you wanted to get the job, you're going to pay lip service to yeah. that. And of course, I'll work within those financial restrictions, and of course, I'll, I'll blood a Max Aarons at Ipswich in a Championship Derby for his league debut, and 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 keep playing these players, keep playing Jamal Lewis's and, and Ben Godfrey, and uh, I was going to say Todd Cantwell, maybe not at the minute, <laughs> but that's a different story, uh, and and so on and so forth. And as you say brilliantly, bringing it right up to date with Andrew Bamba, Bamba daily today. What a performance from that young man, nineteen, frightening potential, um, but ultimately you know it is it is a brutal business rather than rather than a game that's fueled by sentiment and and that's why you know it they will struggle to find i think somebody who who certainly buys into it quite as much as he did and and you might say well it's not quite the financial picture it, that he inherited but it's still as they continue to tell us um, Vis a vis other champ, uh, other Premier League clubs, it's a completely different ballpark that Norwich are operating in financially, and so whoever does take it on now will still, albeit on a on a grander scale to what Daniel faced, but still face that financial disparity with other teams. Um, while it remains a self sufficient, self funded model, so um, but yeah, no, t- I don't think there's too many. I mean, can you imagine every summer? End of that first season, your best player, James Manners, What did he weigh in that season? Fifteen goals or yeah. something like that, and thirteen, Josh Murphy as well. 13 assists. Um, yeah, lost a lot. Of you've goals, got to lose. Obviously. You've got to lose him, Daniel. We need to sell him. We need to keep the club afloat. Okay, fine, right. But we still want you to try and well, Pritchard as well, which just one yeah. he was visibly frustrated about. I think yeah. everyone
0: could see that. Absolutely,
1: they? yeah, because he knew that he was at that stage, such an integral player to what he wanted to do, and uh, and he, he, you know, even moving it on to the Ben Godfrey shell, that did, did he would he willingly from a head coach, footballing point of view, wanted to lose a player like Ben Godfrey? Absolutely not. But he understood the financial parameters and the the deal at that level made sense. And of course, bringing it right up to this past summer, Emi Buendia, um, a player who he, you know, had a bit of a love-hate is is the wrong word. But, you know, there was times where I'm sure he drove him mad, drove him up the wall. Yeah, he protected him, nurtured him um, and developed a player who, albeit, you know, he seems to be struggling at... uh, he seems to be struggling, maybe to put his, his stamp on it at Villa at the minute. But there's no doubt that he is a special talent, and 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 he was given the stage and the environment by Daniel Farker, um to show what a great player he was, and a player who brought in 38 million pounds when they shelled out an initial one and a half to Hetafe. and then I think there was a five million promotion clause when they got it in the first time round. So still subtract six six and a half million from 38, and you know what what Norwich manager, I think we, well, we know the answer, is there's no other Norwich manager who has brought in the amount of transfer surplus that man has brought in, um, at a time when, particularly in a pandemic as well, you know, the club's accounts, late set of accounts, put it at 30 million. Where would this club have been if Daniel Farga hadn't, A, been willing to buy into that, that you need to basically sell your best talent, but also be able to develop talent to the level that an Aston Villa would come and offer 38 million for Emi Buendia. Um, you know, it's it's going to be a very tall order, a big act to follow in that specific facet in terms of developing players, cultivating young talent, believing in young talent. You know, how many head coaches, managers, whatever you, label you want to attach, would, would have put Andrew Amor into that environment today? And... No, well, well, just just to strip it back, I mean, when he first chucked Amor into the side, I mean, most yeah. most people would have opted ten, for... A, ten most, games or so. Most uh, most, yeah. most coaches
0: would have opted for an experienced option. Yeah. Steady, steady pair of hands.
1: Daniel yeah. Farker didn't. No, absolutely not. And for him read Max Ahrens, that time when, when you know, he they brought in alternative right-backs. Um, and no, Max took his opportunity. Great, on you, and I'll back you to the hilt. Jamal Lewis before him. Um, and just, you know, now we look back and we almost take that for granted, I think. Yeah. But, but if you take a step back, what other club at the top two levels of the game has backed young players to that extent uh, uh, over the last two, three, four seasons? There isn't one. And, and boy, did Norwich get their rewards both on terms of on the pitch and, and championship success, but also financially, you know, this club, and I guess this is why now we're, we're going to shift it and move it forward. This is why it's almost a crossroads now for this football club within that self-sustainable model. Yeah. If you can stay up this season, then the the, the great leap forward is there. You know, you, you'll get another <laughs> tranche of Premier League money. You can buy better players or better better grade of player. You can spend more money and, and, Then, obviously, still, you know, clubs have shown, you know, Bournemouth, for example, it's still no guarantee that you're a a permanent member of the Premier League for forever and a day thereafter. But if you can stay up that first season uh, and build uh, from a position of relative strength, which they do have, you know, a lot of the infrastructure is in place now. A lot of the building blocks that Stuart was desperate to put in place are there now. And with each passing season of Premier League income, they can divert that into the playing squad, improve the playing squad, And hopefully then just nudge this club forward and forward and forward. And, um, you know, what a message that would send to a lot of other clubs in the English game, you know, in terms of it can be done. It is possible. At the minute, the jury's out. You know, can a club and an ownership that doesn't have the funds of other Premier League clubs, the vast majority of other Premier League clubs, can they actually bridge the divide? Well, we'll certainly find out now. Um, but, But in terms of, you know, the footballing side of it, the opportunity is still there for them. I know things still look bleak in terms of the league status at the minute, um, but is it 27 mm. games left? Um, if this catalyst, in particularly those next sort of tranche of games, if they can pick up the points they need, then, you know, it starts to look doable at the minute. You know, the jury's still out and, and probably if Farker remained at the helm, I think we'd have all maybe felt it would have been beyond this group. But, you know, get past the sentiment element, get past what a class act, he, he and his coaching staff were, if this change proves to be the right one in terms of results on the pitch, then, you know, we might not back in May and say, well, that was a big he's call inspired. by Stuart Weber." But, yeah. it, you know, it just shows that, um, you know, a lot as we're talking inevitably a lot about Daniel Farker and, you know, what he's his standing in the game now and where he may go on. Well, if Stuart Weber pulls this off from this position, then, you know, we, we might be talking about, you know. It's, he's a he's quite a special talent as well in terms of uh, you know a, a powerful figure within the game.
0: Yeah, and no, I'm sure a, a lot of people will be watching what Norwich City do and what Stuart Webber does in in, in the weeks ahead with with real interest. And um, just to close off on on Daniel before we finish on, um, I guess where perhaps Norwich City go. I mean, we kind of touched upon it, but um, to, to bring this up to where we currently are, there's been, I think there's been growing discontent. I mean, we did a, a poll on our website earlier. Was it earlier this week about? Um, I've been yeah, forgiven yeah, yeah, about, yeah. about about where fans kind of stayed uh where they, they sort of felt about him staying or, or him going i think it was a slight majority for him to go well that was it? interesting
1: for me Connor. i mean yeah. we had you know north of two and a half thousand respondents so a decent sample and on the specific question is it time for him to stay or go you know it was, i think it was 55 percent felt it was time to go which i was staggered it was relatively as low as that yeah. you would have thought after leeds after chelsea after the early part of the Premier League season after the previous Premier League season um rightly or wrongly that that would have been a far higher percentage but it, it did underline to me that there was still and maybe that's being reflected in the reaction tonight but there was still you know just a slight maybe feeling amongst the the, the fan base that it, it he wasn't the right man but by no means was it conclusive so yeah I think um when, when we saw that and you felt maybe he may, he may get a few more games. And, and obviously winning today, you, you, you we're about, i say we left the ground. We're still actually in the ground. <laughs> Not um, left yet. We, but we would have been leaving this ground tonight thinking, well, OK, I think I said it to one or two people. Well, this is going to be a relatively quiet international break now. <laughs> so that was stupidity on my part. Um, I thought, you know, we'll have deadened down all the sort of Farka exit talk and um, we can, you know, regroup and then look forward to Southampton, which we still can, but it would appear with a new person at the helm.
0: Yeah, and and what I was going to come on to say is a lot of people have been frustrated about maybe where Norwich City have had. Daniel Farquhar again referenced it on Friday. We need to get back to our DNA. There are a lot of supporters who have been frustrated with the style of football against Leeds. It was noticeable that it was a lot of long balls compared to perhaps the style of play that we've seen him, I've seen his size produce um, so much in in, in the last four years, even in that Premier League season where they went down um, pretty woefully. they, They still maintained that style of football for the most part, not completely, but for the most part, this season seems to have been a complete sort of switch in, 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 in the other direction, doesn't it? Again, we saw elements of it, but it wasn't as clear as it has been, uh, saw elements of it today rather, but it wasn't as clear as it's been in, in sort of years gone by. So that frustration, I suppose, uh, is, is obviously one that's been shared by, by Stuart Webber.
1: Yeah, and I, and I think of of all the sort of charges, maybe you can lay at Daniel's door, this season, and I'm just talking about this this 11-game block as it was, that was the one that, you know, I'm sure would have raised an eyebrow or two um, for the people who matter inside the club that clearly it was understandable that I mean, Watford was the watershed moment to lose that game after uh, the first four, well, we can't get anything from these. These are so tough for uh, X, Y and Z reasons. But then when Watford turned up here and, and really, you know, sort of exposed vulnerabilities within Norwich that, that did concern you, usually you know to come away from there with a free one um, unless we forget you know watford have uh, also dispensed uh, with the services of cisco as well not long after that game so it's not just norwich who, who dealing you know some brutal sort of uh, decision making when it comes to the head coach but for me entirely understandable that he said right okay watford watershed line in the sand we need to work on what we do without the ball we need to be much more robust and much more resilient. Um, and I'm going to play this three now. Kabak's come in. We've got Gibson. We've got Hanley. Let's go with a three. Let's make ourselves solid and almost, um, you know, give yourselves a platform to then embellish that with a bit more creativity. And of course, it works, you know, in the sense that they get to Burnley, ground out a point there. And then Brighton, um, ground out another point, albeit Brighton, they had plenty of chances. And, you know, if the finishing had been better, notably Josh Sargent that day, you know, they add the attacking element to the defensive resolution. But, Chelsea, while not unexpected, the, the, the manner of the performance and the, and the scale of the defeat, and then Leeds was the one really. Leeds, you just felt, well, he's lost the plot a bit here, a little bit, you know, in terms of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he said it himself. It was almost like I don't know whether the realization was his in these last five or six days, or whether it was pointed out to him, whether it was Stuart mm-hmm. Weber or, you know, his key key experienced players, whether you know it took them as sounding boards. But you know, on Friday he talked about this that you know the DNA is how he d- discussed it. But then he went on to say, you know, you can't be putting balls three or four feet in the air to Puki and Sargent and, and playing for second balls. That's completely alien to those players and to how his teams have operated. Um, and it just felt to me that, yeah, that would have played very well. And, and, you know, the reaction immediately to those comments on social media Friday afternoon was hugely positive. And, and okay, today, the first half, or well, the two goals were, were excellent. The, the, the second goal particularly was,
0: for me, a little
1: bit more what we come to associate with a Daniel Farker team. You know, it was a, I think I, was, I tweeted it at the time. It was a Matt Tyus norman pass, but it was almost Emmy Buendia could have played that ball, you know, through to Puki, who's running beyond. Um, yeah, OK, yeah, we're getting in a hurry. We'll wrap right. it up, yeah. Yeah, so um, ultimately, it's come too late, but you just hope that from here on in that we do see, because I think that is that type of football is what suits this group of Norwich players um so yeah ultimately uh too little too late unfortunately but uh right well you might want to throw that in mate connor with a bit of... yeah this is a, a an interesting He's getting linked with every single job he, is. he
0: must have a hell of an agent uh, this is from Pedro Almeida, who's uh, is, is a transfer specialist essentially, uh, he he uh, is reporting that Paulo Fonseca, who has been linked with to the Tottenham job, the Newcastle job, I think the, the the job as well, even though there's not a vacancy, is among the candidates uh, for this uh, this job at Norwich City. So that's interesting one. That's us maybe um, end on that then. Um, yeah because we, we're going in to get, in the yeah. days yeah. and weeks to come, every single manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you say days and weeks, but hopefully it's hopefully less than 14 yeah. days. Yeah, exactly. But we get, we're going to hear a lot of names. Um, it's, it's a difficult job, isn't it, for anyone to walk into. They're going to have to hit the ground running with the games that we outlined earlier. Yeah,
1: It's incredibly difficult for whoever comes next, isn't it? Huge challenge, yeah. Huge challenge. and. As I said earlier, you know, Stuart Weber will, will be defined probably now by by this decision. You know, we'll never know. We'll never know if Daniel had stayed at the helm, whether they'd have pulled it round. But it certainly puts a huge onus on whoever the new person is, and particularly if they don't have any real Premier League experience or even maybe, uh, to, to quote that guy, you know, any experience of the English game as well. These are huge imponderables. Um, and much as Stuart Weber had to weigh it up in terms of Daniel's future and decided that on balance it was time to go, um, he'll also have to weigh up some maybe kind of uh, elements to, to a new appointment that you can't you can't 100% be sure about because there's no way of knowing if, if you bring somebody in from abroad, they can immediately. I mean, my, what I hope doesn't happen is, you know, Huddersfield went and got that guy from the Bundesliga, didn't they? And, you know, when Wagner left and um, Sievert, was it? Jan Sievert yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. he just couldn't get to grips with it at all. And, OK, you know, that, maybe that's an easy, a cheap one to throw at them. But if it's somebody of that ilk and they just, then you, you almost get to will get to into this season and you know it'll be a fairly hopeless cause and then it'll be I'm sure well why didn't we keep Daniel Farker? So um maybe they do have to go a bit more high profile, maybe they do have to go with somebody who has the personality to come in and, and hit the ground running and get the instant respect to these players. And uh, yeah, there's one thing for sure. It's not going to be a dull international break now as much as I'd hoped.
0: No, pinkham.com, the uh, the place to go. Of course, uh, for any updates and developments, uh, we'll bring them to you as they happen, as Norwich City search for a new head coach. Just to end, then a quick recap. Norwich City have sacked uh, Daniel Farker, Eddie Riemer, Chris Mongola, and Christopher John all gone as well. Steve Weaver will take the sessions this week, although the majority of the players have the week off. Uh, Murray City hopeful that they will uh, appoint their new head coach before the game against Southampton. Thank you all very much for for joining us. Thank you to Brentford for uh, letting us stay in their their stadium way beyond full-time now. It's uh, it's, uh, much appreciated and uh, we'll see you all again very soon.